0: better get ready. Yeah! No! No! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. What do you see? And welcome everyone to
1: Under the Dome with CD right here. On the game 1037 Laugh yet and 1041 Lake Charles. It is a beautiful. a little, a little bit dreary, let's be honest, but honestly It's a beautiful Saturday morning, and you want to know why, we've got Mardi Gras Weekend. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they're rocking and rolling at the Round Rock Classic. The madness of March is fast approaching, and also, on the pro level, the round ball is back with the second half now underway. And as always, we are coming to you live and in living color on the game from... The beautiful palatial and opulent game studios. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! You're damn right. We looking good, we feeling good, and hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this Saturday morning. Cause I know I sure am. Because I'm always loving the fact that when I can pop this mic on at around 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, it's the perfect time to kind of start the weekend. It's the it's that's my official start of the weekend. The second I push this button to turn this microphone on and start talking to you. And if you want to talk to me, the number to call is, of course, 337-706-0111. We've got guests at the bottom of each hour. So make sure you get your shots up as soon as humanly possible. But first, let's go ahead and waste very, I mean, very little time and get down to brass tags of what's causing all this. On a Louisiana Saturday morning for yours truly, the world famous CD. And get to your Saturday sports sermon.
0: The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday sports sermon.
1: I don't like to deal in hypotheticals. You can call me a Sith Lord because I only deal in absolutes. But if this hypothetical happens, I'd love it for a lot of reasons. The biggest of which is Fox's America's Game of the Week would actually be watchable and listenable because of the fact that we'd get rid of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, an iconic duo, yes, but I think for all of the wrong reasons depending on what side of the fence post you are on when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and a lot of other teams, that it feels like they have a little bit more favoritism towards. Maybe that's just my POV in all this. But it's interesting to see some of the reports that have come out over the last 48 hours that we could potentially see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman both go to the four-letter network. And in case you don't know what I'm all talking about, I'm going to go ahead and recap it for you real quick. Give you give the Cliff Notes version, if you will. Remember back in the day when you used to do book reports and you knew somebody that had that the Cliff Notes version of certain books? This is what that is. So to recap it, one of the one half of the longtime team on Fox and Troy Aikman is close to finalizing a deal to be part of the Monday Night Football broadcast for the Four Letter Network. But according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, he may not be going to the worldwide leader alone. He may not be the only one. And in his report, he mentions that in a move akin to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash leaving Stanford and the WWF for Atlanta and WCW back in the 90s, Aikman could be paired up with Joe Buck leaving both spots for the premier broadcast on all of Fox Sports pretty wide open. Now what happens to that Fox spot is going to be Without a doubt, interesting. No matter what happens, if it's just one or both, I think especially both, because then you've got to figure out how you're going to put together your World Series broadcast team as well. Because I think I'll get to that in a little bit. But the conversation is those two guys could be going to the worldwide leader, and one name that's been banded about for a lot of different reasons. I think more for the color commentator role is one Sean Payton. Greg Olson's also mentioned, but I think. Sean Payton obviously is that name that's going to gravitate a lot more here in the Acadian area, and justifiably so. And It's it's crazy to think how much that's playing a role, but there's also rumors that they're going to try and court one Drew Brees to leave the Peacock and join the home of Cletus the Robot, have them kind of take over. I'd love that idea, to be honest with you, to have Payton and Brees Reunited is going to feel pretty damn good. But at the same time, you know, you already know that that's going to be a very interesting team to see do certain games. I.E. when the Saints are playing one of those premier, not prime time, but premier games on the on Fox's game of the week. Because don't forget, Fox doesn't have Thursday night football rights anymore. That goes to Amazon, the thousand pound gorilla in the room. That changes all this up in terms of the million-dollar question. Because Amazon can and will flex their muscles in the sense of they're going to throw down mad ducats to get somebody that's going to be absolutely great for their product, great for their brand on Thursday Night Football on Amazon. This will be their first year they have full and complete control over it. And that's going to be interesting to see who takes over those spots, who's going to be able to do that. If you don't believe me when it comes to flexing their muscles and dropping down insane amounts of money, like bleep you type money, this is the type of money they're offering, guys. Sean McVay reportedly was offered $100 million over eight years. A 36-year-old head coach that literally just won the Super Bowl. They're trying to hire him to be a, I believe, color color analyst. He'd probably be good at play-by-play as well. He's a very smart dude. But they're offering him a hundred million dollars to put up the clipboard just after winning a super bowl, a hundred million dollars over eight years. If that's how much you're offering Amazon, come on over, come offer me that money. A hundred million dollars. I'll gladly do it 18 weeks a year. I will gladly do it as long as you want me to, right? That's kind of my whole thing there. I would love to have that kind of money to do that job. For a few months a year 100 million dollars over eight years hell yeah no stress but Sean McVay turned that down so like that's the bargaining chip they're throwing down is money and I wouldn't hate it now of course they probably tell me not to gamble on the NFL I'd still do it behind the, behind the scenes and probably lose it but still 100 million dollars I'll gladly take that oh, it's an eight-year 100 million dollar contract it's very lucrative and probably more than any team in the league would be willing to offer any head coach. Even if it's Bill Belichick, they wouldn't offer him $100 million. But it's crazy to think that the stars could very well align and we could see Troy Buck and Troy Buck, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman respectively all decide to jump over to the four-letter network. Those two names are synonymous to a lot of us. Whether you love him or hate him, and trust me, if you've listened to me long enough, you know I don't like Joe Buck all that much. But knowing those two guys could be going Splitsville and leaving a network where they've been considered iconic in terms of being voices for. Drakeman played on Fox all the time once they got the rights to the NFC. Then he started doing the commentary for them, for Fox Sports, for years. And he's been... Almost an iconic voice, a divisive voice in some cases, especially when it comes to talk, criticizing his former team of the Dallas Cowboys. But you can see that there's something to be said about name recognition, name brand. When you think Troy Aikman, when you think Joe Buck, you think of one name attached with the Fox Sports, especially Joe Buck because he's been doing the World Series broadcast for years. On Fox, and there's no way the four letter network ABC is going to be getting the rights to the MLB World Series anytime soon. Fox Sports has way too much invested in that, and that's where the big debate's going to be. That's where it's going to be because I think Joe Buck will stay. Is I think he likes that job doing the World Series a little bit more, if not a lot more, than calling the games of the NFL because, again. His dad, Jack Buck, was a big-name broadcaster, especially in the world of Major League Baseball. That's part of the Buck family legacy, and also I think it's definitely a lot to do with Joe Buck's legacy. Again, not a huge fan of him on the football side, but I can tolerate him more on the baseball front, knowing his legacy, knowing the history of it. I just think that Buck is going to be there and he's going to stay there, and if he stays, and Sean Payton's his color guy, give me... Fox, I'm, I'm talking to you right now. Give me an alternate audio feed. I know there's a way, if you have surround sound and stuff like that, you can actually set it up to where you're just hearing the crowd noise. I don't want to hear just the crowd noise. I want to hear somebody talking. And the person I want to hear is Sean freaking Payton. That's who I want to hear on my broadcast. That's who I want to hear. Bottom line, it's that's how I'm going to put it. But again, I think Joe Buck stays. And, of course, I mean, this isn't definitive that you're going to see everybody's favorite Sean Payton be there, be on the color commentary team. I think he'd be good at it, but at the same time, I think he would fit a lot better. And I said this weeks ago that I think he'd fit a lot better on the side of the pregame show because, again, Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, they're not getting any younger And I feel like eventually one of those two guys, or maybe somebody else, like a Michael Strahan. Strahan's getting busy as all get-out in the media world. Like Somebody's going to step down, and you're going to see Sean Payton maybe take one of those spots. I think he'd work well in that to start. And then maybe, just maybe, they bump him up and have him be a color analyst down the road. Greg Olson's gotten some experience. But again, crazier things have happened. Tony Romo, his first year, he's doing games with Jim freaking Nance and being one of the best color analysts in the game today. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it all pans out with this wild world of NFL announced desk duties. Because if we see the those two guys, Buck and Aikman, leave to go to the 4 Letter Network, I'll tell you what I'm going to be watching. The Manning cast. <laughs> the 4 Letter Network better be throwing down some big ducats to get the Manning cast, and keep that thing going afloat. Because honestly, that was the best part of the NFL this year, was the Manning cast. It was so much fun. Even whenever a game was a relative dud, you at least had something to go with, and you were going to have fun watching over the course of three hours. They gave you something different, and that's what we need. Not for every single game, but at least for your primetime Monday night games your primetime games that people are, you know, are going to watch. Give me a man and cast version of it every single week in the NFL. Anywhere else, I just don't know who could be that equivalent. Maybe we can get in that conversation more down the road. It feels like more of a summertime discussion because right now we've got a lot of other things to get to. We've got two hours. If you want to call me up, 337-706-0111, and let me know how you think one Sean Payton, could fit in terms of a TV role, call me up, 337-706-0111. We're going to take a quick timeout, and when we come back, we've got to get into LSU baseball. And probably the bait of their existence for a long time has to be, without a doubt, midweek games. They won last night, but I want to kind of go back and rewind towards midweek games and how much it's a lot like oil and water And how much this team, in a certain sense, feels cursed when it comes to the midweek game. We'll talk about that and more. And then we've got Coleman Crawley talking some college basketball. We'll have him on in about 15 minutes or so. So keep it locked right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 out in Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Make sure you keep it locked right here. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. We've got Coleman Crawley, a college basketball bracketologist, also a good friend of ours here on the program. We're going to have him on in about nine or ten minutes, give or take a few, to talk about some college basketball. Because, honestly, it's well past time to get into that conversation because we're just a few days away from March Madness. But I want to kind of flip it over for a little bit. We'll talk some LSU basketball with him as well. But I want to flip it over to LSU baseball for a few minutes, if you will. Because, again, I'm a huge fan of college baseball, have been for a long time. So I think it's well past the point to kind of get into some LSU baseball conversation. Again, it's very early on in the season here, folks. Very early on in the season. But LSU, over the last few years, has had a big problem. And it's beating teams in the midweek. Midweek games have been the big, biggest bugaboo for this team I've ever noticed. I don't know what it is. Is it the Jack-Johnny-Holstaff? Is it just the team playing down to the competition? I don't know. But when I looked at what happened, you know, they lost on Wednesday night to La Tech after committing five errors. Five airs. I thought maybe to start this season, I wouldn't be resetting this conversation that I think we have every single year. I, I think we have it every single year, and that is the conversation about LSU baseball and the midweek games. Do they matter or do they not? We continue to get this conversation going. And when you look at it, opening weekend, they look great. They look great during opening weekend, and then you commit five errors against a lot of tech, and you lose 11-6. And I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. You can't take a whole lot away from opening weekend for the LSU Tigers. Yes, it was great they put up 20-something runs in the last two games. They put up like 50 combined runs in the first three games of the season. That is tremendous for run differential and everything in between. But it's to be expected. It's the University of Maine. Yes, Maine, back in the day, they were... A power, relatively speaking. But that time was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So when you look at LSU, this was a lot like what we see with Alabama. They played teams like the Citadel. That's what this was. It was expected that they wind up winning this ball game. It's why you don't see a whole lot of money lines on college baseball, probably during conference play, to say the very least, because... The odds would be so astronomical, like last night. Else you play Towson. That's expected to beat Towson. You are, it's almost, I'm not going to say it's a birthright, but it's pretty doggone close. And I just saw some stuff for the Saints. I'll probably save that more in hour number two. A little breaking news, but I'll talk about that in a little bit about the New Orleans Saints. But going back to it, this is a team where. mean, you're collecting a check and just go and get your butt kicked. Bottom line. And then you go back to the La Tech game. Five errors. Hurt him in a big way, lost 11-6. And it's fine to have errors here and there. But a midweek game, you have five, it's a big problem. You've got to get things kind of working right. you got to you start questioning things. That said, if you're an LSU fan and you are putting a lot of stock into a midweek game against La Tech on February in February, late February at that, you might need to kind of slow down, step away from the ledge for a hot second and realize, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. You disagree? Call me up at 337-706-0111. It'll be a conversation I'll probably be up at least five more times before baseball season is over, before midweek games really don't matter. To me, the midweek games don't matter for a team like LSU because at the end of the day, those games wind up meaning a lot less when you think about how important other games are. LSU plays the SEC where you've got extremely difficult opponents you play against every single week. Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. The list goes on and on and on. Even Arkansas, these teams are going to eat you alive. So at the end of the day, the midweek games don't really matter in a sense of what matters most to LSU and what matters most to a lot of other programs in the SEC. Like Think about it. What matters the most? It is, wait for it, RPI. It's getting into the tournament. It's more importantly securing a regional or even a top eight seed in the country. And you can still do that if you handle your business for the most part in midweek games. But more importantly, you handle your business in the conference play. And you handle your business when you play bigger opponents. Like you next week they're playing in the Shriners College Classic. Those are going to be some really good teams. Like the Texas Longhorns, a team that's currently favored. I'll get to some odds in a little bit. They're currently favored and one of the top teams in college baseball. It's not like what we're seeing right now with the Cajuns. We'll talk more about the Cajuns in our number two. But the Cajuns, they are playing right now in a Round Rock Classic with teams like, like yesterday. They played Stanford. They played Stanford, fourth ranked in the country. And then tomorrow, they're playing Arkansas. Second ranked in the country. Two top flight teams in the world of NCAA college baseball. That's going to be huge for their RPI. And especially if they can want to pull it off a win today against Indiana, that's going to be nice for them too. And imagine if they could beat a team like the Arkansas Razorbacks. It winds up making them look a lot better. But when it comes to a team like LSU, what's going to matter most is what happens next weekend and then starting March 18th, when they play the team that everybody kind of hates in this area, and that is going to be, without a doubt, one team in particular, Texas A&M, the Aggies. That's going to be a game that starts this whole thing off. And likely is going – it's not going to determine your season how it goes if you win or lose that game. Trust me. But I'm telling you, it's going to wind up being a big – part of the conversation about how LSU's hay is going to look in the barn. And I mentioned last week, they're going to be a top eight seed. That's the ceiling for this program. And they can lose some midweek games and come out smelling like a rose. A team like the Cajuns, on the other hand, it's a little bit different. So for LSU, midweek games don't matter. Call me when we get to March 18th, because right now, Maine, Towson, they don't make me stand at attention. It's great when you win, but at the end of the the day, it's expected. Like Blake Money, I'm not crowding him as an all-SEC pitcher right now. I'm not calling him the SEC pitcher of the year, because he just threw two seven-inning shutout games. He threw seven innings of shutout baseball for two straight games against Maine and Towson. When you're the Friday night starter, it kind of comes with the territory. It's really nice, but it's not necessarily going to be, oh, hey, I'm going to go ahead and raise the roof for this cat. No, I can't do that because I'm telling you that those games in the long run don't really matter, but they are nice to see these guys do what they're doing. If he does it next week in a Friday night game or Friday afternoon game in the in that Shriners College Classic, Hell yeah, I'm more I'm all in favor of that. If he pulls it off, bueno, muy bueno. I think they're playing Oklahoma on Friday. Next week, Friday afternoon. Which you'll hear that right here on the game, by the way. So you got that going on. But until then, they could put up a hundred something runs against Towson, Southern, Towson again. They could beat up on any team. I think they played Bethune-Cookman before conference play starts. I couldn't tell you where Bethune-Cookman was on a map. And they could probably put up like 50 runs on him over the course of that weekend. And I wouldn't necessarily, I'd be like, oh, hey, this is good, but call me when it comes to conference play. I guarantee you you won't be seeing too many of those 10-run games. You'll be seeing more 5-2 to two games. You'll see more 4-3 to three type games. I guarantee you. Those num- those unders will be cashing a lot more. And here's the thing. I think Jay Johnson understands that. That it doesn't really matter in the sense of getting to your ultimate goal. And ultimate goal for any team is Omaha. That's kind of where I'm at. And again, for what it's worth, I was talking about it earlier, that LSU the odds, according to DraftKings, because they're the only, only people that put college baseball futures out right now, which is baffling to me, but LSU currently plus 1,200 to win the College World Series. I mentioned the Longhorns, who they play next week. Texas is strong, plus 750. Yeesh. It's definitely a fun market to keep an eye on the futures. I'll, I'll say that much when it comes to how things go from there. We'll go ahead and take a quick time out. Enough of the baseball talk. We're going to go ahead and flip it over to the hardwood and get into some LSU basketball, college basketball wide talk. Because, again, we're just a few days away from the month of March. Fat Tuesday, that's the beginning of March, people. March Madness right around the corner. Tournaments are about to get underway. Some of the tournaments start on Thursday. It's kind of wild to think about. But we'll get into some bracketology talk with our good friend, Coleman Crawley, host of the Mimosas Till March podcast. And getting some college hoops talk next. Right here on the game. 1037 Live Yet and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: And we got more under the dome coming up. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear. With Under the Dome. With the world-famous CD. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, right here on the game, at 103.7 Lafayette and one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And before we get to Coleman Crawley, I want to get to something else for a quick second. And maybe we'll spend some time on it in hour number two. If we have time, we'll probably get to it again. But the Saints, Loomisnomics has officially started. The Loomisnomics world has officially begun to spin. We talked about it a few weeks ago with our good friend, Brad Spielberger, and we talked to him about some of the cap moves that they need to make and some of the cap space hell they're in. Well, looks like they freed up a good bit of it. They freed up about $26.217 million in cap space, getting themselves slowly but surely out of cap hell. According to Field Yates, they've converted 14.5, 14.5 mil of Michael Thomas's compensation for 2022 and 18 mil of of Ryan Ramczyk's compensation into signing bonuses, creating $26 million in cap space. And according to Chris Roosevelt, this is basically going to put them at about $50 million over the salary cap. So they're starting to make things work, and it's just a matter of time before we see them get themselves out of cap hell once again and boggle people's minds to this very day. But enough about that. I want to flip it over to college basketball for a few minutes because honestly, it's that time of year. It's the most important time of the year for sports fans, especially college basketball fans. March Madness is creeping ever closer. So we need to get into this and to do that, we got a treat for you fans of College Hoops. He is the host of the Mimosas Till March podcast. He was the second ranked bracketologist last season, not just in his home state, not just in the United States, but the entire freaking world. And you can follow him at Sharp Shot Select on Twitter. He is Coleman Crawley. Coleman, how you doing, man?
2: Great. Thank you very much for having me on.
1: I appreciate you coming on the program. Let's start things off looking at the consensus top seed in March Madness, according to a lot of different people Gonzaga. And it's justifiable. This team was so close to pulling off something that people had never seen really before. And that is an undefeated season number one and winning a national championship. And they've picked off right where they left off, 33-1 record. Now the question to you is do they keep that number one overall seed and what could wind up costing them that?
2: Yes, I think ultimately they will. Um, what could cost them that is perhaps Auburn winning out or Arizona winning out and just playing tougher quality competition in those respective conferences, at least up at the top when they would beat um, te- difficult teams in their conference semis or conference finals, that would probably be the only way. Or if Gonzaga were to slip up, which is possible. The WCC has been as tough as maybe we've ever seen it with BYU, San Francisco performing very well, St. Mary's. Um, so if Gonzaga were to slip up or Auburn or Arizona win out, would be the only way I see Gonzaga losing that top overall seed.
1: So Soccer now, Coleman Crawley, host of the Mimosas Marge podcast, and I'm going to flip it over to the SEC. You talked about Auburn. Obviously, they're going to be one of those like top-ranked teams that everybody's going to be talking about, but one team I think that's getting slept on and hasn't gotten nearly as much love has to be the Arkansas Razorbacks, at least when it comes to the top 25 polls that we see put out every single week because for a while it looked like Arkansas was just not getting anywhere near the amount of love. Yes, they're in the polls right now. They're 11-4 in SEC play. How do you see this team panning out when it comes to selection Sunday? And how much work do they have to do in the next week or so to really improve their stock?
2: Right now I see Arkansas at about the 4-5 line. Um, Primarily that's due to the weak start that they got off to. And they played a pretty weak non-conference strength of schedule, number 273 in the country. That's not going to fare well in the committee's eyes. Lost to OU um, in a big way early on. But since then, absolutely, they're playing some of the hottest basketball in the country, a team no one is wanting to see right now. And I could see this team, if they're able to continue their momentum, let's say beat Kentucky today, move their way up into a three-seed, maybe even two-seed potential if they're able to win the SEC tournament. But, yes, playing some of the hottest basketball in the country, JT Note, is so fun to watch. I love Coach Musselman. Um, it, it's been fun, certainly, for Hog fans, I'm sure.
1: And, you know, sticking with the SEC, because this is something that kind of stuck in my crawl a lot when it comes to the way Selection Sunday went for the LSU Tigers, So we'll get to in a minute. But I want to get to the SEC tournament, because last year LSU made it to the SEC Championship, and it really didn't affect the way they their seating was after the brackets dropped on Sunday, when they were close on the cusp of winning their first SEC championship in the tournament since like 1980 against Alabama, a team they had lost to twice. Would have been really nice to win that in terms of your RPI and all all that stuff that really matters. But it it just feels like the doesn't matter how you perform in your conference tournament when it comes to overall seating.
2: Yes, it does. Um, I I think with the general public, um, maybe the mistake that they make is that they view recent performance and and put too much weight towards it, whereas the committee views that 31st or 34th game that you just played the exact same as the first. There's no extra weight given to recent performance. Um, And so sometimes that can be where the discrepancy is. Now, last year – LSU was as wrong as any team I was um, in my bracketology. I had LSU as a six seed. The committee had LSU as an eight seed. Um, frankly, I just think the committee got it wrong there. We could have at least met in the middle and had them as a seven, but an eight was too high. I believe the committee probably, like I just said, doesn't put as much weight into the conference tournaments as the public would maybe like. Um, but, yes, weight is definitely put into it just no different than any game in the regular season.
1: Talk right now with Coleman Crawley, host of the Mimosas Till March podcast. And I got a two-parter for you. What are your thoughts on year one for Chris Beard at Texas? And then how disappointing is it that, you know, Texas is going to be moving to the SEC very soon, meaning a budding rivalry between Texas and Texas Tech. Looks like it's going to be not nearly as prevalent, at least just on paper. Because I'm sure, as lovers of college basketball, these rivalries that just have good old fashioned hate make make those games so much more worthy of that prime time slot. And the Texas Tech Tech game in Lubbock that was like a thing of pure magic. How much hatred there was on all sides.
2: Absolutely, it's it's great to see um, you know in an environment where we're somewhat past COVID. To see all these fans, you think of um, Arkansas the other night at home against Auburn, that Texas-Texas Tech game that you mentioned, that has been electric to see college basketball atmosphere back um, and, and running wild. For Texas and Texas Tech, I absolutely hate it. I'm an OU alumni, so it's a little odd. Seeing us move from the Big 12 to the SEC, Texas has been overwhelmingly disappointing. Um, I thought Coach Chris Beard, he's had success wherever he's gone. He's done it with transfers. I thought he'd be able to do it again right away, and that has just not been the case. Um, I love it for Tech fans that they were able to get the revenge, get the sweep this year, but yes, it is sad that in the near future, you know, hopefully they can get a, conference, a non-conference game set up regularly, um, but won't have those home and aways like we've seen in the past.
1: You can only dream, right? That they that every year the SEC Big Twelve Challenge we see that game on there. That'd be the only way it could right. kind of be right.
2: I, I agree. Um, I, I think they should make that a staple every year where, where those two teams are facing off. That'd be awesome. And and Tech with with what they're developing, their fan base right now, um, probably a place where more and more kids are going to play. Lubbock maybe. Wasn't thought of as a hotbed recruiting destination, but that environment and culture that they're developing, maybe it will be. Um, and, and that's somewhat credit to Chris Beard's development, but I think they're happy with the, the head coach they've got now.
1: I'd agree with you wholeheartedly there. And we talk about Texas jumping ship over to the SEC in a couple of years' time. Obviously, the SEC over the last few years, it's not just Kentucky ruling dominion over basketball anymore. We're seeing Auburn. We're seeing Arkansas. To a certain extent, we're seeing Tennessee. We're seeing these teams become better every single year. And it feels like more and more we're seeing probably five, six, seven teams in some cases from the SEC going over to the NCAA tournament. So I came up with an over-under prop here. On Selection Sunday, or better yet, right now in your bracket, over-under five-and-a-half teams in the tournament from the Conference of Dixie.
2: Oh, definitely over um, for the SEC this year. They will, without a doubt, get six teams in. LSU, Bama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, those six. The others that are on the outside looking in are Florida, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. Mississippi State and South Carolina, it's probably a long shot. Um, But Florida has a legitimate chance to make it seven teams into the NCAA tournament for the SEC, but they still got work to do. Um, to to get over
1: that hump. A couple more questions here for Coleman Crawley, host of the Mimosas Till March podcast. And I want to go to the Sunbelt Conference before we get to LSU because their tournament's about to get underway next Thursday, and it feels relatively wide open. How do you see this going? Because I think Georgia State's on a heater right now, but obviously Texas State is going to be the top seed in this one. Who do you think punches their ticket out of the Sunbelt?
2: You know, that's, that's a very difficult question. This is as balanced a conference in the country, as there is in the country. And last year we saw, you know, a six seed, I want to say, is what they were in the conference. Appalachian State run away with this conference tournament. Heading into this season, I, I thought this was as wide open a conference as there is in the country, and it still is today in late February. I'm going to go with the one seed here, Texas State, um, I'm a little biased Mason Harrell being an Oklahoma kid me from Oklahoma love watching him play but I think finally they're going to um, continue their regular season success into the conference tournament got upset last year they're gonna enact some revenge and win the Sun Belt championship move on to the NCAA tournament is what I believe but several could win it there
1: let's end it off with the LSU Tigers they've been very up and down and once things kind of flipped over to SEC play, because with the non-conference, they steamrolled opponents. had one of their best non-conference starts in program history. But once you get over to SEC play, things have been very up and down. They've gotten bitten by the injury bug a time or two. How does Will Wait's team look right now? I know you have them in the tournament, but where do you kind of have them landing, and how much more do they have to do to really improve their stock? Now, mind you, I think we can all agree their tail end of the schedule these last three games it helps them immensely to kind of get some more wins and build up some confidence heading into the big tournament
2: right um now granted i got them wrong last year um but lsu i have right now at about that six seven range probably closer to a six seed um it's due to they're top 25 in strength of record, net, and kimpom When you're top 25 in all of those metrics, you're probably going to be a 6 or better. They also have five quad one wins, four quad two wins. So, yes, although the SBC has been difficult, they had a succession of losses, the quality of wins that they built up early, they're still in a very good position. Um, for them as a team this year, it's, it's odd to see because last year they were so electric offensively and then, you know, not in that NCAA tournament game against St. Bonaventure, but typically poor on the defensive end and then this year at times struggle to put the ball in the hole, but elite defensively, certainly gritty, tough, athletic. They're a fun team that I enjoy to watch because of that. Right now I've got them as a 60. They pick up a few wins here, maybe can, can climb up into the five range.
1: Coleman, thank you so much for coming on the show, my man. We'll talk to you down the road and enjoy the rest of your weekend.
2: Thank you very much. You all have a great one. I appreciate
1: our guy, Coleman Crawley. You can follow him once again at Sharp Shot Select. And if you love sports betting, I think he's your guy when it comes to college hoops. Definitely a lot better than me when it comes to cashing those tickets. And speaking of cashing those tickets, I'll go ahead and drop down on my picks to click for this week my fave five, and I got a good feeling we're going to get it, and we're going to get good this weekend. So keep it locked right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, so let's go ahead and throw down some money and give you my picks to click here on Under the Dome next
0: The world famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20, hit me 21, hit me 22. Oh! Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? <coughs> or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest, Southwest Louisiana's, Louisiana's sports, sports station. station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. One more segment in this hour. We got hour two coming up right around the corner, but we got to get our picks to click for this weekend. And we start off with Texas. I'm taking the money line over West Virginia tonight or this afternoon, one o'clock tip that's a minus 154. So they're they're decent favorites. But we're going to go with a strong favorite here. UCLA over Oregon State taking the money line -1200. Not necessarily the best in terms of investment, but I think that one is going to help us in terms of locking down this five-game parlay. I'll take the over in Auburn Tennessee. One of the lines I'm seeing 139 and a half, -110. Odds for those who want to put this in a parlay calculator. Miami Heat money line. I got them over the San Antonio Spurs. They are minus 390. They're definitely pretty strong favorites. Mind you, last night they didn't work out all that well for fans of the Phoenix Suns who put money on them to win. is the Pelicans wound up coming in with a big win. I believe they were like plus 400 underdogs. Or somewhere along those lines. And now we're going to go into a little bit of uncharted territory here, NHL. I'm going with the LA Kings beating the New York Islanders. The Kings are on a little bit of a winning streak right now, so I think they can get this win over the Islanders. They're small minus one t- minus 128 favorites. So all together, it's a $5 parlay as per my personal rules. You can put it on whatever you want, but I you, I always try and just do a $5 parlay. That way I can... Not stress out nearly as much. If I put like $20 on a parlay, I'd probably lose my mind. But $5, it's fine. I can just put that in and call it a day. But if that hits, the payout is $38.17. It's not enough to make me retire, but it's good enough to fill the bankroll back up. Because I'll tell you this, not necessarily my best last couple of weeks when it comes to sports betting outside of what happened two weeks ago with Tai Tuivasa getting that knockout win at UFC 271. 272 might be throwing down some bets on that. That may be part of next week's Fave 5 Picks to Click. It might be also a good bit of the show because 271 was a rousing success. And one of the guys on there who made a big name for himself, Bobby Green, he's in action tonight. Strong underdog. That's a little bonus one. I definitely would take Islam. He's going to get that big win tonight over bobby green i think bobby Green's just a little outclassed and he's taking this on super short notice like literally two weeks after going the distance i'm surprised he allowed that to happen but you know dana white does dana white things enough about boxing mma all that stuff we're gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout hour two underway in just a few we're gonna talk cages baseball to start the hour jacob westendorf joins us at 11 30 to talk green Bay packers so we'll get to that in all next, right here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.